Welcome to the UGABCM podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the UGABCM right on campus in Athens, Georgia. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. We are here tonight gathering the end of January. Does anybody else think that it is crazy that January is like already almost done? Like that feels strange to me. Like we're already one twelfth of the way through 2024. That's good math. I'm a graduate of the University of Georgia, okay? And like, that's just wild to me. I don't, I don't know how you feel about January. I love January. January is always a time for me where I take some time to kind of like think and reflect. And I like to set goals for myself. I'm a very goal-oriented person. I don't like the term New Year's resolution because no one holds to a New Year's resolution. But I like to set goals in January. Anybody like to set goals for themselves? Or are you just kind of giving up on that? A couple of us, okay? We're in it together. One of the things that I have learned whenever it comes to setting goals in my life is that it's not just enough to set Say that you want to accomplish a goal, but you actually have to like put a plan in place to accomplish that goal, right? Let me give you some examples of some of my goals for this year. My wife and I, uh, some of you know this, we're expecting a little daughter in March of this year. Yep. Uh, in about eight weeks, I am incredibly excited and horribly terrified all at the same time. Didn't know you could feel those emotions at the same time, but I currently do. All right. So for my wife and I, one of our goals uh, for January is that we wanted to get the nursery like painted and ready before UGA classes started because we knew that our life would get crazy whenever college students were back. And so we had that goal. So we had to do a few things, right? We had to like pick a paint color, which takes way longer than I ever could have anticipated. Then you had to go to Lowe's and you had to buy paint, which cost way more than I could have ever anticipated. And then you had to actually like, you know, do the thing and paint the, paint the room. So we had to do that. We got that one accomplished. Uh, I got a couple other goals for myself this year. I, I've gotten into working out this past year. And this year, I really want to complete the Murph workout. I don't know if any of you guys know what that is. Um, it's like a CrossFit type workout where you like run a mile, do 300 air squats, 200 pushups, 100 pull-ups, and then run a mile. Um, it's absolutely insane. You do it on Memorial Day. It's named after uh, a former military guy. It's a really incredible workout. So what does that mean? It means I've got to like get, get to training, right? I've got to be in the gym. I've got to be working out. This morning I was at the gym and I'm like working on pull-ups, which I've decided are not like a big man's exercise, right? Like I, I've got friends in my gym who are all significantly smaller than me and they're like cranking out pull-ups. And I've just decided that a pull-up is not impressive unless you weigh over 200 pounds, okay? And so like I'm just, I'm really struggling with that one, but I'm trying. Another goal that I have for me this year is that I would like to break 80 on the golf course. I'm a big golfer, okay? So my personal best on a golf course is 82, and I want to shoot in the 70s. And so if that's what I want to do, I've got to, like, practice. I've got to go hit balls. I've got to go play rounds of golf. That goal is proving hard to accomplish because my wife keeps hitting me with lines like, Adam, you can't keep spending money on golf. We have a baby on the way, and she's, like, hitting me with this wisdom that I just is not conducive for my golf game, right? And so... <laughs> Anyway, I say all that to say, if you have a goal, you have to make a plan to reach that goal. And I say that because tonight, I want to challenge all of you in the room to pursue one really specific goal this semester. And this is my challenge for you. Okay, this semester, I want you to pursue the goal of getting closer to Jesus. All right? That is my challenge to you. I want you to make it your goal to get closer to Jesus this year. And I say that to everyone in the room. All right? I know in a room this size, there's some of you who've been walking with Jesus for a while. Like you know the Lord, you know the Bible, you're on fire for Jesus. But the good thing about our relationship with Jesus is that we can always grow in more intimacy with Jesus. All right? So I'm saying that to you. 
I also know that in a room this size, maybe you're just here just for the not-so-Super Bowl draft, and you don't even believe in Jesus, but I want you to know that that goal is for you too. Like, I want you to take a step closer to Jesus. That would be my hope for you. If you're in this room and you don't even know what you believe about this whole Christianity thing, that's my hope for you as well. I want you to know Jesus. And so my goal, my hope for you is that you would make it your goal this year to grow in intimacy with Jesus. And I, and I point that out right here at the onset because I feel like we are a people who are pretty good at setting external goals for ourselves. The majority of you in this room are students at the University of Georgia. You're very driven. You're very purposeful. We're, no, we're a people who know how to gift that, get after it with certain goals. But I think that sometimes we fail to set goals for ourselves in our spiritual lives. And I want us to be a people who go after Jesus, who pursue Jesus. But if it is our goal to step closer to Jesus, then we need to have a plan in place in order to do that. We need to know what that looks like to pursue a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus. And that is what I want to talk to you about tonight, how you can begin to pursue a growing relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to do that by going to one of my favorite passages of Scripture that is not found in Galatians. It's found in Colossians. It was written by the same guy two books later, okay? So Colossians, if you got your Bible, I invite you to join me there. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 tonight. Colossians chapter 3. This is a passage of Scripture that means a lot to me. Um, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, there's probably a few passages of Scripture in the Bible that just mean a lot to you personally. This is one of those for me. Like, I can remember being like 17 years old, starting to study the Bible, like for real, on my own, and this being one of those passages of Scripture that just really began to stir my heart. Uh, whenever I first got the opportunity to like be able to teach and, and lead Bible studies and stuff, this is the first text that I can remember teaching to a group of people. This text means a lot to me, and it's incredibly practical and gives us instruction for how we are to pursue a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to read Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. So 17 verses. You can do it. You watch a 10-minute video. You can listen to the 17 verses. I believe you. believe in you. And then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into this. Sound good? All right. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones. That was terrifying. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, 
meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage of scripture. God, I just thank you just for this time to, to, to be with BCM and to hang out here and to worship with them and to dive into your word. And God, I just pray that you would use these moments to speak to us. God, would you just make it our collective goal, just as a group and made up of all of us as individuals, would we be people who desire to grow in intimacy with you this year? That we'd be making a goal to, to really invest in our relationships with you. And would you use these moments as we study this text to show us just practical things that we can do to begin to take steps further towards you. Would you use this time for your glory and for our good. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to see in this text. In this text, is written by the Apostle Paul to a group of believers in the city of Colossae, all right? And he has given them in, in chapters 1 and 2, he's laid a beautiful theological foundation. He's talked all about who God is, that, that he is preeminent, that he is over all things, that he's the creator. He's talked all about who Jesus is and all that he has done. And then in verse chapter 3, excuse me, he takes a transition and he begins to talk about, since you know all of these things, this is how you are to live. And so whenever we come to chapter 3, you've got to know that he has switched from the theological to the practical, and he's talking about how we are to live these things out. And what we're going to see tonight is just a framework of some things that we should be engaging in if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We're going to break this text up into three parts. But I want to be really clear with you. This is not a one, two, three step formula for intimacy with Jesus, all right? Intimacy with Jesus does not work in any kind of formulaic way, all right? Our relationship with Jesus is just that. It's a relationship. It is not a formula. It's not a three-step program. But what we see Paul laying out for us is rhythms that should characterize our lives if we want to grow in relationship with Jesus, do you understand that? So it's not a three-step formula. It's more like rhythms that should characterize your life. If you have a person that you are trying to get close to, there are things that you should be engaging in to get close to that person. That's what Paul is outlining for us. We have a three-part framework that will show us things that we can begin to do, practices that we can begin to engage in that will help us grow in intimacy with Jesus. We're going to break those apart. We're going to talk, uh, talk about them one at a time. Three things, and since I'm at the Baptist Collegiate Ministries and I'm an employed by a Baptist church, I've broken them up into three categories that all start with the same letter, okay? <laughs> you are welcome, all right? They're this. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you now, and then we're going to talk about them one at a time. The three-part framework that we're going to see in this text is reflect, remove, and replace, okay? Reflect, remove, and replace. We're going to take those one at a time, starting with this idea of reflect. So right out of the gate in Colossians 3, verse 1, we see Paul say, if you have been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. 
It is because of this verse that we know Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to people who have put their faith in Jesus. We know that because this is gospel language. If you have been raised with Christ. What Paul's saying there is if you have put your faith in Jesus. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who left heaven, came down to earth, was born of a virgin, took on flesh, lived the life that we live, walked the earth that we walk, lived the, lived the life that we could not in perfect obedience to the Father, and then surrendered his life on a Roman cross to take the penalty for all of our sin, was buried in a tomb, and three days later rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. If you believe in that Jesus, then you have been raised into newness of life, that you have taken a step out of death and into life, out of bondage and into freedom. This is what he's talking about. If you have been raised with Christ. See, our relationship with Jesus, it's not just like, it doesn't just like get us into heaven one day. Like it changes everything about who we are. It's an invitation, not just to into eternal life one day in heaven, but it's an invitation into a new life right here and right now. Everything changes whenever you come into relationship with Jesus. And as Paul begins to instruct this group of believers of how they're to live this out, he begins with a really interesting place. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, then set your mind on the things that are above. And I find this interesting, right? Like in this practical instruction, he's moving into the portion of this book where he's beginning to give these believers practical instruction for how to live their lives, yet he doesn't begin with a list of do's and don'ts. He's going to get there, and we're going to talk about those, but he doesn't start there. Like a lot of people think about Christianity as just a list of do's and don'ts, but Paul doesn't start there for the believer. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, then you set your mind on the things that are above. He encourages them to begin this process with the things they choose to reflect on, with the things they choose to fill their mind with, with the things they choose to think about. In this pursuit of intimacy with Jesus, growing in relationship with Jesus, Paul begins with the mind, with what we choose to think about on a daily basis. The question becomes, why? Why would Paul start there? Well, I'd tell you this. It's because Paul knows that the reflection of your mind will determine the direction of your life. The reflection of your mind will determine the direction of your life. What you choose to fill your mind with, what you choose to dwell on, the voices that you allow to influence you will determine your attitude and your actions. It will determine the way in which you live. It has a critical impact on the way in which you live your life. So the battle for becoming more like Christ, the battle for intimacy with Jesus, the battle to know Christ and to walk with him more, it begins with your mind, what you give your attention to. I think about it, like this, y'all know, I mean, all of us are on social media. The majority of us are on social media. And so you think about like your, your TikTok for you page or the Instagram discover page, you know, like you're all smart. You know how the, the algorithm works, right? The algorithm works 
by paying attention to the type of content that you like, right? Like it looks at the, the videos that you like to watch and the things that you tend to watch, and then it feeds you more things that are similar to the things that you like to watch. So for instance, if you're really into golf like me, if you go onto my Instagram discover page, it's mostly golf tutorial videos and like, oh, you just scroll through and it's just golf, 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 golf. Why? Because I spend a lot of time looking at golf videos on my Instagram, right? And because I've looked at golf videos, Instagram feeds me more golf videos. In the same way, the things that we choose to dwell on in our mind become the default that we go to time and time again. And so if we're filling our mind, there's like a good version and a bad version of this, right? If we're filling our mind with the things of God, if we're doing what this text says, specifically, intentionally, seeking after Jesus, filling our mind with the truths of God, then it's going to impact our life. Philippians 4, verse 8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The reason he's exhorting us to do that is because if we fill our mind with the things of God, then that's what's going to be the thing that directs us and guides us in life. Whenever we get into times of hardship, our mind's going to be filled with the things of God. Whenever we get into times of difficulty, our mind's going to be filled with the things of God because we spent time thinking and reflecting and meditating on the things of God, and what has come in us is going to come out of us. You understand what I'm saying? It works in a positive light, but it also works in a negative light, that if we choose to dwell on the wrong things, if we allow the wrong things to influence us, then that too will impact the direction of our lives. So what we need to realize as believers is that we have an enemy, and that enemy wants to destroy you, and that enemy wants to use lies and deceit to get you off track, to keep you from living the life that God calls you to, to, be, to live. And so he will use lies and fill your mind with all kinds of things to keep you from living the life that God calls you to. And so perhaps for you, there was like a negative word that was spoken about you from someone that you really care about. And that's what replays in your mind all the time. And you believe a lie about yourself because someone influential in your life said something to you that was really hurtful. Or perhaps... For you, it's you just you're so insecure because of real mistakes that you have made, and like in your mind, you just keep replaying these mistakes in your mind like a highlight reel of all of your greatest failures. If you begin to dwell on things like that, lies about who you are, mistakes that you have made that you believe define you, that too will impact the trajectory of your life. What we consume. What we dwell on and give our attention to, it is guiding us in a certain direction. The things that we reflect on will determine the trajectory of our life. So if we're building this plan to grow closer in intimacy with Jesus, we have to first take a moment and ask ourselves, what are the things that I am choosing to reflect on? What are the things that I'm allowing to fill my mind? What are the things that I'm choosing to dwell on? Like, really think about that right now. Think about the things that you allow to influence you. The voices that are the most influential in your life. Are they voices and truths from God? Are they from the enemy? Are they things that produce goodness, life, and light in you? Or are they things that lead to more and more darkness? This is something I've been thinking about in my own life. 
just a lot here lately. I, I, I want to be someone who gives careful thought to the things that form me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I want with my life to live the life that God has called me to. I really do. I want to be the man that God has called me to be. I want to be the husband that God has called me to be. I want to be the father that God's called me to be. I want to be the pastor that God's called me. I want to be the friend that God's called me to be. I want to live my life for the glory of Jesus. And what I have begun to just become so aware of in my life is that the things that I give my attention to are forming me in one direction or another. And so I've been trying in this season of my life to give careful thought to the things that I allow in. Because I know that the things that I allow in are forming me in one way or another. And I want to be a man who is formed by the things of God. I want to be a man who becomes the person that God desires me to be. And I want that for you as well. I want you to be men and women who are so on fire for the glory of Jesus, who are formed by the things of God and who move out into the world with confidence. But you must consider the things that you are reflecting on. Like Really give careful thought to this. What are the areas in your life or where are the places in your life that you're actually consuming the things of God? Like this is a habit that you can begin to put into your life right now. Like are you regularly just sitting with the Lord? I was reading through 2 Samuel not that long ago and there's a story where where David just goes and, and he just sits in the presence of God. Like do you do that ever? Do you just sit and just be alone with God his word, and just spend time with him. Like These are habits that you can begin to introduce into your life tonight. Like You can go home to your dorm room or to your apartment, and you can just sit and be alone with the Lord, allowing his voice, his truth, to be the most informative in your life. This is something we must take seriously. We're not taking the Christian life seriously if we're not giving careful thought to the things that influence us. So we need to think about what we reflect on. Because the reflection of our mind will determine the direction of our life. That's the first part of this framework. The second two will go faster, I believe. Okay, So we have reflect. Secondly, we have remove. Remove. Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul continues this exhortation to these people, and he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly within you, all right? And so what we see is that he continues this teaching after he's talked about setting your mind on the things that are above, giving careful thought to the things that you think about, giving careful thought to the things that you reflect about. He says, after you have done that and you begin to think about the things that form you, you're going to begin to see things in your life that are not characteristic with who you are meant to be. And you're meant to put those things to death. If you're a person who underlines or highlights in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that phrase. Whatever your translation is, put it to death. I want you to see the severity of the language that Paul uses there. Paul here is talking specifically about sin. He's talking about the things that come in and are a barrier in our relationship with God. And what I want you to see is that Paul doesn't sugarcoat this. He doesn't say, hey, this sin in your life, try your best to work on it. Hey, this sin on your life, maybe, maybe try to make some improvements here. Do a little bit better. You know, he says, this sin in your life, you put it to death. Put it to death. And I want you to see that 
Because here in the, the society that we live, the generation that we live, this is a word that we need. Because our culture, we have begun to develop far more of a tolerance for sin than we should have. We need to be reminded of the deadly force that sin is in our lives. We do not take sin seriously enough in the church in America. We just don't. We don't think about it. We don't realize that sin is seeking to destroy us. We don't realize that sin is leading us down a path that leads only to death. And therefore, we just kind of entertain it and try to do better, but we never actually wage war upon it. And this is what Paul's encouraging you to do. That if you want to take your relationship with Jesus seriously, you've actually got to fight against sin. You've got to fight for what the Bible calls holiness. We've got to understand the magnitude of sin, and we've got to fight against it. And Paul is specific about the type of sin that we should fight against. He gives us two lists in this passage, in, in just this part, okay? Two lists of sins. He says in verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and which is idolatry, right? Of those five things that he lists there, four of those five have to do with sexual purity. And what Paul's saying here is that we should wage war against sexual sin. And what he's saying, this list that he gives, it includes sexual sin that we commit with others and things that we do in our own minds and hearts, from the actual acts of idolatry and sexual morality to the lustful desires in our hearts, he covers it all. And then in verse 7, he goes on and he says, Into you once walked, living in them, but now you must put them all away. Verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. So if that first list all has to do with sexual purity, the second list has to do with the way in which we relate to one another, the way in which we treat other people the things that we direct towards others. And Paul's showing us in these two lists that all of our sin needs to be dealt with. The big public sins that everyone sees and the private sins that we want to keep hidden. He's saying all sin seeks to destroy you and you must put it to death in your life. Now, let's pause right here. Because there may be some of you in here, you've heard a talk like this before, and you've heard preachers talk about the importance of fighting against sin and just like hammering on the Bible, like, you shouldn't sin, you shouldn't sin, you shouldn't sin, you shouldn't sin. That's not what I'm trying to do here, okay? And that's not what Paul's trying to do here either. Paul is not calling from some legalistic plea to be a better person. He's not just saying that we should fight against sin because it's the good Christian thing to do. He's not saying that you should just not be sexually immoral because sex outside of marriage is bad and you need to be a good little boy and good little girl. Like That's not what he's saying. He gives a very specific reason for why we should fight against sin. So if you've kind of tuned out because we're talking about sin and that's a hard thing to talk about, I want you to tune back in for a second because here's the why. I want you to listen to the why. Verses 9 and 10 in this passage. Read this with me. He says, don't lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And I want us to think about this critically. He's saying you have put off the old self and you have put on the new self. So the reasoning that Paul is giving for the reason that we should fight against sin it's because these things, these sinful behaviors, these sinful actions, these sinful attitudes are not characteristic of who you are anymore if you are in Christ Jesus. 
If you are in Christ Jesus, it does not make sense for you to walk in these ways anymore because that's the old you. And the old you is dead and gone. You are something new entirely. That whenever you come into relationship with Jesus, you receive a new identity. And that new identity brings with it new activity, a new way of living. This is the reason that he gives, that we are to live in a way that demonstrates the reality of who we are. So yes, as Christians, as believers, we are meant to fight for purity and holiness in our lives, but not just to be good little boys and good little girls. But no, we fight for purity and holiness because we belong to a pure and holy God. That's why we fight for that. And we fight to be kind and generous and to honor all people. Why? Because we believe in a God who extended kindness to us, who honored us in our lowest, who came to us and was generous and gracious with us. And so because we have received such great generosity from him, because we have received such forgiveness from him, because we have received such honor and from him, we are meant to do likewise to others. Because of who we are, we live in a certain way. This new identity informs our activity. It works in every area of life. All of you in this room, you have multiple different identities, right? Just use me for an example. All right, my name is Adam. I am a Christian, yes, but I have different identities. I am a husband. That's part of my identity. That identity comes with certain activity. There are things that I do and things that I don't do as a result of being married to my wife. Right? I'm also a college pastor. That identity informs certain activity, the things that I do with my day. You're a student. That identity informs your activity. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, we are meant to live in a certain way, and it's not a moralistic plea to be a good person. It's a call to live as you were created to be. It's a call to live out the reality of who God has made you in Christ. So you've got to ask yourself, you've got to consider your life. What are the areas in my life that are inconsistent with who I am meant to be in Christ Jesus? You just watch that video of Joshua Broom, right? Talking about the porn industry. In, the, in a room this size, it is undoubtable. Undoubt, it is Absolutely certain, doubtless, I don't remember, it doesn't matter. It is certain that there are many of you who are struggling with pornography, guys and girls alike. If that is something that is in your life, that's not something that is meant to be characteristic of you as a believer. And so you're meant to wage war against that. So you've got to ask, how do I do that? It's not enough just to say, I want to stop looking at porn. You've got to actually fight against that, right? That means you've got to take an audit and think about your life. Think about the times in which you're tempted to look at things. Think about the times in your life in which you're tempted to watch things and begin to put up safeguards in your life to help you fight against this, right? I work with people all the time with this. And one of the things, I, main things I tell them, like if you want to fight for sexual purity whenever it comes to like getting free from porn, one of the best things that you can do is get your phone out of your bedroom. Like don't sleep with a supercomputer right beside your head, all right? That's welcoming temptation. The main objection I get to that is, well, my phone's my alarm clock. And I'm like, well, guess what? At Walmart, they sell alarm clocks. And if you don't have enough money to buy one, I'll buy one for you, okay? And I'll make that promise to you as well. So you've got to think about those things. Maybe it's not porn for you. Maybe you have a hard time in your life controlling yourself around alcohol. Maybe that's your thing. It's not porn, but you have a hard time controlling yourself around alcohol, right? Well, then what can you do? You need to actually begin to wage war against that. 
Don't put yourself in environments or situations where you're going to be tempted to drink and do the things that you know you shouldn't do, right? So that means don't go downtown on a Thursday and Friday night. Stop doing that. Stop having alcohol in your apartment. These are things that you can begin to do. Maybe it's not that for you. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and you're having a hard time uh, being sexually pure with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Well, begin to think about the time that you spend alone together and consider ways that you can spend time with one another without putting yourself in a compromising situation. This is what Paul's talking about whenever he's talking about put sin to death. There are things that we actually do to fight against. You're never going to fight sin passively. You're never going to be able to live free from sin passively. Like, yes, you are saved by God's grace, but by being saved by God's grace, he's inviting you into fighting against sin, and you've actually got to engage in the process, right? And you may hear that, and you may hear all this stuff that I'm telling you to do, and you're like, man, that's just legalism. I'm telling you, this isn't legalism. This is wisdom, okay? This is how we fight against sin, if we want to grow closer to Jesus, then we need to fight against the thing that serves as barriers in our relationship to him. We need to wage war on sin. So we reflect, we remove, and lastly, we replace. We replace. It's not enough just to, to remove negative behaviors from our life. We've got to replace them with something else. Think about it like a, like a diet plan. Like if you wanted to get in shape, you'd have to remove the unhealthy behaviors and replace them with healthy behaviors, right? Like it's not enough just to remove the junk food from your diet. You've actually got to replace it with like nutrient-rich food, right? You've got to just stop eating Cheetos and start eating vegetables. You've got to stop watching hours of Netflix and actually like go for a run or lift weights. Like you've got to re remove and you've got to replace. And this text shows us that. So right after this, put off from yourself in verse 5, put to death, excuse me, in verse 5, there's the language of put on in verse 12. In verses 12 through 14, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is what's meant to characterize our lives as believers in Jesus. That we're meant to display something beautiful to the world around us. That as the children of God, we are meant to reflect the character of God. We're meant to display his character to the world all around us. That means we don't just remove impurity, we replace it with purity. We don't just remove pride, we replace it with humility. This is life with Christ. So as we begin to think about our lives and the things that are inconsistent, we, we remove those things by the power of his spirit, and then by the power of his spirit, we begin to put these things on, this language in the text, in the original Greek, it's actually like the language of removing one garment and putting on another. So like you remove, like you think about your outer clothing. You would remove one piece of clothing and you would put on something else. That's what this language is talking about. We remove and then we replace. So again, consider your life. Are you seeing these things growing in your life? Are you growing in compassion to those around you? Are you growing in kindness to those that are around you? Are you growing in humility and are you learning to serve? Are you patient with people or do you have a ridiculously short fuse? Are you looking for opportunities to extend forgiveness or are you holding on to bitterness? 
Are you seeking to live a life of love and harmony or are you promoting division? These are the things that we need to begin to consider. We reflect, we remove, and we replace. But the last thing that I want you to see is the how behind all this. Because here's my fear in a message like this. I, I, I would never want to get up here and give you this list of things to do and send you out and you to think that you've got to do all of this by your own power. Like, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. I'm not telling you to, like, white-knuckle it and fight against sin in your own power and that it's just in your own willpower that you can end your addiction to pornography, you can get over alcoholism, and you can just be really pure with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, that's not what I'm telling you. Paul is very clear here where the power to do all of this comes from. And that all comes from the last few verses in our text, verses 15 through 17. I'm going to read them for us one more time. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a reminder of where all of this comes from. It says, but the peace of God dwell in your hearts. Come to the Lord with a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude and walk in wisdom with one another. Stir one another on and live your life for the glory of God. The way that I've summed up these three verses, this is just a, a phrase that's helped me in my study of this text. And if you're a note taker, you can jot this down if it helps you. But the way we do this, the way we reflect, remove, and replace, we do it like this. We do it in the power of God, with the people of God, and for the glory of God. We do it in the power of God, with the people of God, and for the glory of God. None of this is meant to be done in your own power. If you try to go toe-to-toe with sin and just your own ability, you will lose every single time. But if you believe in the risen Jesus Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, and that means that you have the very spirit of God living within you, and you are not powerless against your sin anymore because greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. And you can fight back, not because of anything special about you, but because of something special about the one who's within you. That's what I want you to see, in the power of God. But I also want you to see it's with the people of God. He talks about gathering and singing psalms with thanksgiving and encouraging one another. We need one another in this fight. Like, look around you. This is a beautiful thing that on a Monday night, we have all of us here gathered together to study the, the text together. This is wonderful. Take advantage of these relationships. If we're going to be people who live our lives for the glory of God, we need one another. We need to encourage one another, and we need to seek to do all things in our life for God's glory. This is the life that you are called to, to live in the power of God, with the people of God, for the glory of God. So we're going to go ahead and come to a close. Band, you guys can go ahead and come back up. But I want to encourage you, as we close tonight, to remember the goal. I'm challenging you this semester to get closer to Jesus. To accomplish that goal, you have to make a plan. And that plan is to reflect, remove, and replace. But none of this is meant to be done in your own power. It's all in the power of God, with the people of God, for the glory of God.
BCM, I'm encouraged by you. Uh, I was telling somebody before I came up here, I have been in this city now for 12 years, which is crazy, almost half my life. And I am more encouraged now than I've ever been. I see in you a, a hunger for the things of God, and I just I desperately want to be a part of seeing college students in this city leverage their lives to the glory of Jesus. I love this city. I love this campus. And I want to see it reached for the, with the gospel. I want to see people from all over the world who come to this place come to know Jesus. And I want to see college students who come here go all over the world to proclaim his name. But if that's going to be who we are, we've got to take our spiritual lives seriously. We've got to begin to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly and see him change us from the inside out. That's my prayer for you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to know more about us, visit our Instagram at UGABCM or visit us on our website at UGABCM.org. We hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.